Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views on Thursday, March 16th, 2007. Had to look over at my calendar. I forgot what date it was. The Nefarium has been busy, and uh, if you have been following elections in Europe, apparently, according to the last uh, report that I was emailed by someone in the Netherlands, uh, Hert Builders did pick up six seats, something like that, six or seven seats. I think it was six seats in the Dutch parliament. And the ruling party lost six seats. So they were at 41 seats, apparently, I think 41, somewhere in there. And according to the last report, I saw that party was down to 33 seats and Herit Builders is up six seats. So uh, in that context, there's an interesting report that somebody in Germany sent me that appeared on RT, and this is going to have some, uh, I think, repercussions in the German elections. This is a very important article because what it's doing is it's not only attacking Angela Merkel, but it's also rewriting the entire narrative that she has attempted to push on the EU regarding the refugee crisis. So the article is titled America, pardon me, Merkel Rutte, that's the Dutch Prime Minister, agreed refugee quota in deal with Turkey did not tell other EU leaders. This is a report that is on RT, and I'll, I will put the link up when this is posted. And I want to read several paragraphs here because these paragraphs really do puncture the narrative that Angela Merkel, or, or as we like to call her now, Mad Madam Merkel, has been uh, selling the EU. The first two paragraphs, and then I'm going to skip, quote, the two European leaders, Merkel and Rutte, the Dutch Prime Minister, met with then Turkish Prime Minister Ahmet Davutoglu to discuss the details of the EU-Turkey refugee deal in private the night before the EU-Turkey summit in March 2016. The details of the secret trilateral meet where the deal was struck has been revealed in a new book, and especially for you uh, folks in Germany, driven by events, Merkel's Refugee Policy, that's the title of the book, by Robin Alexander, a journalist with Die Welt. During the meeting, Merkel and Rutte, who held the rotating EU presidency at that time as the Dutch Prime Minister, agreed on all the major provisions of the future EU-Turkey agreement, which was later presented at the summit as a spontaneous Turkish initiative. Now I'm skipping several paragraphs. However, this particular deal never made it into the official text of the agreement and remains a gentleman's agreement between Merkel, Rutte, and Turkish authorities. Alexander writes this in his report citing unnamed officials that, quote, were directly involved in the negotiations between the three leaders on the night before the summit. The part of the agreement has never, this part of the agreement has never been revealed, neither to the other EU leaders nor to the German public. 
He adds that the official text of the EU treaty deal was instead appended with wording saying that, quote, as soon as chaotic illegal border crossings between Turkey and the EU would come to an end, or at least their numbers would significantly and consistently fall, a regulation envisaging voluntary admission of refugees by the EU from the Turkish territory will come into force, unquote. This wording was then approved by all EU leaders at the summit in March 2016. However, it also envisaged voluntary participation of the EU countries in this admission program. Now that is significant in and of itself, folks, because that means this was all voluntary and the national leaders are to blame. But there's more here. Alexander explains why Merkel was so. This explains Alexander says why Merkel was so persistent in imposing a mandatory refugee quota on other European countries. So there it is. First, it's voluntary. Now Merkel is wanting to impose quotas. Continuing, in case all other EU members refuse to accept refugees from Turkey, Germany, and the Netherlands would have to deal with all of them on their own. Now, I don't know about you folks, but if I were sitting in the Netherlands and Germany, I'd be hopping mad at this point. Now, I'm going to skip a very small paragraph here. Under the alleged deal, the Turkish Interior Ministry was entrusted with compiling the lists of refugees it believed should be sent to Europe, with the list later to be reviewed by the Office of the UN High Commissioner for Refugees. According to Alexander, quote, people with a college or university degree or skilled professionals never made it into those lists, unquote. Even healthy people were few in the trains going to Europe. The Turks allowed exclusively seriously injured or traumatized refugees to resettle, unquote, he says. Now, skipping again. However, quote, in Brussels, Merkel fought not for the open or closed borders, but for maintaining her political narrative, unquote, Alexander says, adding that her policy was based on the concepts of humanitarian imperative and perceived lack of options. Remember that one because there's a very important uh, paragraph coming up in just a moment. Perceived lack of options, pointing to the notion that, quote, borders can't not, cannot be closed anymore nowadays, unquote. Third to the last paragraph. However, the author assumes in his book that the deal was not as necessary as it seemed. Quote, the next day after the summit on March 9th, 2016, listen carefully, Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, and Macedonia decided to let in only those refugees who had credible ID papers and wanted to apply for asylum in one of those countries, unquote, thus effectively closing the Balkan route, he says in his book, adding that on March 10th, the Austrian border crossing in Spielfeld, bordering Slovenia, reported no more refugees trying to cross the border, unquote. So in other words, it was voluntary. Certain European nations did uh, check IDs, and the Merkel narrative about this having to be a necessity is false. And I want to point out something here, folks, that's very important. 
you'll notice that the EU is not negotiating with Turkey. There's not an ambassador from the European Union. It's Angela Merkel and the Dutch Prime Minister orchestrating this deal, and that ought to tell you who's really running the EU, all right? So what I want to point out here, what I think is very interesting, is that this story is appearing in RT. And for those of us in the West, this is the first, at least that I know, that I've ever heard of this book addressing all of these backroom shady deals by Mad Madam Merkel. Now, what I'm getting at here and what I'm suggesting is that this is a pattern, and we saw it in the American elections. There were certain stories that began to be run on the Russian media, and these gradually were being picked up. And in concert with this, we saw WikiLeaks and the email leaks kind of confirming what the Russian media was running. Now, insofar as there was any Russian influence on the American elections, I think that's it. In other words, I have never bought into the Russian hacking meme or so on and so forth. But now this is interesting, the timing of this story in particular, because we've just had this, this story came out on March 13th. We've just had the Dutch elections Herrt Wilders and his party made a strong showing. The ruling party lost seats, all right? This is, I think, perfectly and carefully timed by RT. This is the, the pattern by which they operate. And what we're going to see, I suspect, is more stories like this in the run-up to the French elections. There's already an article on RT about Marine Le Pen offering to help Poland and Hungary help her bust the EU. So in other words, I think what you're seeing is part of a pattern where Russia very clearly wants to steer the results in a certain way. Now, the question is why? From Russia's standpoint, the last thing it wants is a united Europe with its independent, uh, with the potential for an independent nuclear and thermonuclear deterrent, which in all likelihood would be built around the French existing nuclear deterrent and in uh, point of fact also expanded rather dramatically by German participation in it beyond what already exists in terms of that participation. So I think what you're going to see now are stories like this, not false stories, but stories being dropped at a carefully timed moment in the European elections, particularly in France, and most especially this little zinger coming up in Germany. I suspect you're going to see more and more of this beginning to come out, and this is bad news for Mad Madam Merkel, let me assure you. So that's it. The Dutch elections, one more time, as far as I have been uh, able to gather and the people in the Netherlands reporting to me thus far, as far as I know, the Dutch elections, Kert Wilder's party has picked up seats in the Dutch parliament, and the ruling party has lost seats and by the last count that I received, that was six seats. So busy week here today, folks, and uh, these are stories to watch. Watch this pattern with Russian news. We'll know that this pattern is actually in effect if WikiLeaks starts dumping uh, Merkel's emails and telephone calls. Anyway, that's it for today and today's news and views from the Nefarium. Um, we do have a vid chat. 
not tomorrow, but the week following tomorrow. So I hope to see everybody uh, there in that vid chat. Anyway, thanks a lot, everybody. I'll see you on the flip side, and bye-bye, and God bless.